ready to receive today? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege we have to come into your presence today. Thank you. Your presence is so rich here among us. It's so good to be in your presence, Lord. And Father, as our pastors are away, Lord, we just surround them with our faith and our love today. We thank you for giving them uh, refreshment and rest. We thank you, Father, for health and prosperity for their entire family. Thank you for bringing them back strong and refreshed today in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray, Father, concerning this word that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, he lives big in us. And our eyes are open to see, our ears are open to hear, our heart is open to comprehend all that you provided for us so that we can win the fight. Lord, we bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, you're glad you're here today, right? It's a blessing and a privilege for me to stand in my pastor's shoes and share with you today. So we're going to really expound on something from the book of Ephesians. So I want to encourage you, get your devices open, get your notepads ready, get your Bibles open. Uh, we're going to do a little teaching this morning and help expound some rich, rich scriptures that God has given to us so that we can run toward the fight and win. God's made you a winner. How many winners in the house do we have here today? Amen. And I'm going to be your cheerleader today. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. I want to begin with a scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. The Apostle Paul was encouraging his spiritual son, Timothy, and he said, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because we win. It's a good fight because there's a turnaround coming. It's a good fight because breakthrough is on the way. It's a good fight because there's a reward coming down the pike. Amen. So every fight is a good fight because we're making our stand for the promises of God that God has given to us. So Paul tells Timothy here, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are called and have professed a good confession. Another way to say that is to confess a good confession. And pastor was touching on that last week about holding on to your confession of faith. That's what the good fight of faith is all about. It's maintaining your confession in the face of adversity. It's maintaining your confession in the face of that mountain that is speaking to you day in and day out. Let me lead you in a sample confession. Say this after me. I can do all things because of Christ who strengthens me. Greater is He that is in me than he who is in the world. If God be for me, who can stand against me? In everything, in all things, I am more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. Thanks be to God who always causes us to win, to triumph, to have victory. How does that make you feel? That's something we need to do when we get up in the morning. That's something you need to do when you look into the bathroom mirror and you got Bill screaming at you. That's something you need to do day in and day out. Maybe not once a day, maybe not twice a day, but continually you are confessing or professing a good confession. Before God, before your family, before the ones closest to you, and especially against your opponent. We all have an opponent to fight. Can you say amen? amen? And so this morning, I'm going to share with you, I'm going to give you a takeaway this morning. Our takeaway this morning is this. The secret to winning battles is learning to rest in God. That's the secret to winning your battles. That's the secret to having the strength to fight something that is so beyond you, you've got to learn to rest in God. Amen. God has given us 
a place of rest today. And it's called in biblical terms being seated with Christ. When you got saved, when I got saved, God afforded to us a place, a position. We are seated with Christ. And in that place of being seated, we are in a resting position. Amen. Look what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6 says. I'm reading from the modern English version. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because His great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And He, listen, raised us up and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The minute you accepted Christ into your life, He raised you up to be seated with Christ. Where is Christ today? When Jesus was raised from the dead, He ascended to the throne of His Father. He is at God's right hand, the place of authority and power. And when you accepted Him into your life, He raised you up to sit next to Him, seated with the Father on God's right hand in a place of authority and power. That's the place God has made available for all of us. Not just pastors, not just evangelists, but every member of the body of Christ. No matter how old or how young you are, you have been raised up to a place of rest, a place of authority and power. And so when we back up in the book of Ephesians, we look at chapter 1, probably one of the most richest portions of Scripture in all of the New Testament. And we're going to find in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, a description of our seated place. This is our place of rest. Are you ready? So I want to encourage you, write some notes down, capture what we're going to be sharing here this morning, because it's going to benefit you immensely. It's going to prepare you for the fight. These things aren't given to us by man. They're given to us by the exalted Christ. And so we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. I'm going to pick it apart for you verse by verse. I want to encourage you to really take a look at what we're studying here and feed upon it. Because as you feed upon it, you're going to have God's power, God's grace released into those circumstances of your life that might be frustrating you right now. So let's go to verse 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 14, verse by verse here. Here's verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints and those who are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So here this verse tells us right off the bat what we're about to read, verses 2 to 14, is God speaking to us through His Son, through the apostle, Paul, are you with me? To who? The saints. Now, who are the saints? You might be thinking, well, the saints are Mother Teresa. The saints are those who have been elected after a lifetime of long service. Those who have been nominated by a church board. No, that's not who the saints are. The saints are those who have been nominated by the Lord Jesus Christ. You have been nominated by God's Son. You are a saint. Say, I'm a saint. You are set apart. Now, that word saint is where we get word, the word sanctified. It means set apart. What are we set apart for? God has set each and every one here apart for a special purpose, a high calling, something unique just for you. It's something that you are to discover as you seek after God, as you spend time with God, you're in a, a discovery mode. God, what is your plan? What is your purpose for my life? God has set you and I apart for a special purpose. And notice he also addresses us as the faithful ones. Now, again, when you look at the word faithful and many, you know, it depends on the context that you're reading, but you can look at this word and say, well, that means I've been faithful with church attendance. I've been faithful with my confession. I've been faithful with tithing. I've been faithful with this, that, and the other thing. It's not talking about that at all. It's defined as believing ones. 
I have been in a state of believing for over 40 years now. Ever since I came to Christ, I have a relationship with Him. And when I spend time in the Word, I am easily persuaded by the Scriptures because I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm looking at people here today. You've been in a state of believing perhaps 20 years, perhaps 30 years, maybe just a few years, but you are in a state of believing. You have a heart and the capacity to believe God at His Word. Say, I'm a believing one. When God's Word is presented to you, provision for your finances, provision for your body, provision for your family, there's something on the inside of you. It's your spirit man. And he wants to believe. He wants to embrace those promises. He wants to be easily persuaded. Amen. Because we're children of God. Would you agree? So these truths are addressed to you and I, whom God calls saints, set-apart ones, special purpose, faithful, believing ones. How many are believers and not doubters? Amen. Amen. When I read the Scripture, my first propensity is to believe what I'm reading comes from my Heavenly Father, who loves me and cares about me. Amen. Now, let's take a look at verse 2. What does God our Father say to to us? Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That tells us God's disposition towards you and I is one of grace and peace. That's all that God has in His heart towards you and I is grace and peace. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. Something you and I don't deserve. But God has extended to us graciousness, kindness, favor. He wants to show benevolence to you on a personal level. Amen. Grace, favor, and peace. Now, in peace in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. It speaks of a safe journey. It speaks of health, healing, and restoration. It speaks of prosperity. Amen. Peace from God speaks of wholeness. Do you know you are whole right now? The fact that you're born again, God sees you as whole, not missing anything. Health and prosperity, all that comes from God. Amen. God is a good, good God. He wants to favor you. He wants to move you ahead of the line. He wants to bring healing and wholeness and prosperity in your life. Amen. That's God's will. How do we know that? Because God is speaking through His Son, Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, to the church, the saints, that's us, the faithful, the believing ones, that's us, that all He wants to pour into your life is grace and favor and peace and healing and health. This is shouting ground right now. He he wants to pour it on. He wants to love on you with favor. He wants to love on you with healing. Every good thing comes from God. Amen. And how do we know that? Because the Scripture establishes it as such. Amen. We serve a good God. Verse 3, listen to what verse 3 says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just what does this mean? This means that God has already blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing. What are the blessings? Promises. New Testament promises. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be empowered to prosper. So God has empowered each and every one of us to prosper by giving us New Testament promises. That's a hint. I need to get in the book. When I find promises, I tap into God's power to live in victory. Amen. 
He has, past tense, blessed us. He has empowered us. He's not going to empower you. He's already empowered you with promises. Peter said, God has given us exceeding great and precious promises that we might partake of his presence and his power. Those promises need to be digested. Every day in the morning, I take pills. How many take pills in the morning? Don't look at me that way. (laughs) Food supplementation, right? How many take food supplements? Maybe you need to take some pills for maybe some other issues in your life to, to help maintain bodily functions and whatnot. But every day, we should be taking some gospel pills. Every day, we need to be taking, open up that capsule, pop that pill out, drink it down, and receive what's in that pill. Uh, you ever watch the, uh, you know, the pain medication pills? I take like six of these a day, and I got this pain, that pain. I said, well, I take Advil. I only take one a day. It's time-released, <laughs> right? Those gospels are time-released, When you put the word and put the word and put the word into your heart, when that fight comes knocking at your doorstep, guess what? Something time-released is released in your heart and in your mouth, and you stand up to what you're facing, and you make a good confession. Amen. Because God has empowered. You know, you won't know how empowered you are till you get yourself into that place. But when you begin to speak, you realize God is with me. God is backing me up. Yes, there is an anointing here. Amen. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 4. Just as He, God our Father, chose us, handpicked us. Isn't that a comforting thought? You know, when I was in school, I was the smallest in my class, in my gym class. I hated it because I always got picked last for team sport events. Hello? But God, when I accepted Christ, God saw me and He says, I'm going to handpick this person. He handpicked you. Amen? And this is what He did for us. He chose us in Him, Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now, let's break this phrase down because I know what you're thinking already. Well, I need to clean up my act. I need to not wear makeup. Or I I, I need to change my habits. Or I need to stop talking potty mouth. Or whatever the case might be. That's what we're thinking. Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, that's what we're thinking. But that's not what this is saying. This is saying God chose you, picked you apart, and He made you holy. He cleansed you, he took the stain out of your garments, and he made you clean and perfect. And notice that he took the blame, the shame, and the guilt away so that you could stand before him perfect, clean, holy, without blame, without guilt, without condemnation, you can stand before your Father in His loving presence where He freely invites you in, He welcomes you in, He pulls you into His arms. Why? Because the blood of His Son made you clean, holy, without blame, without guilt, without shame. Isn't that wonderful? Why wouldn't you want to run into your father's arms? Why wouldn't you want to have that time with him where you can enjoy your position being seated in his lap? Amen. He chose us. He made us holy. And he made us blameless before him. Now, listen, when you get a revelation of that, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a change start working from the inside out. And yes, you'll see transformation. Your attitudes will change. Your habits will change. Your association will change because God, the Holy Spirit, is doing something on the inside. That revelation of who you are, you're holy, you're blameless, you're handpicked by God, that changes the way you think about yourself. That changes the way you relate to other people. Come on, are you with me? That's something God our Father has already done for us. Verse 5. By the way, isn't this rich? Rich. Somebody say rich. Rich. 
Tap your neighbor says, you need to be paying attention. This is rich stuff. Amen. Verse 5. Now notice this. The Father, having predestined. That's another big word. What did God do? The moment you got saved, He rolled out a red carpet for you to walk on. It's not up to you to determine your path. It's up to you to discover the path that the Father has rolled out for you. It's so much easier to discover rather than it is for you to invent a path. But God has predestined, given us a predestination, a pre-planned path to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself. We are all on a predestined path of sonship. The Bible says it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. But beloved, now are we the children of God. Now are we the sons of God. So we're on this path of maturity. As sons, we're growing into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Amen. We are all sons. Ladies, that includes you. We all have a position of sonship with the Father. Isn't it interesting when you read the Gospels, you'll find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus is referred to as the only begotten Son of God. And yes, that's completely right. He is the only begotten Son of God. But after He died and was raised from the dead, Paul writes in his epistles that Jesus is now the firstborn among many brethren and sistren, if we could say, okay? Isn't that right? That's powerful. We are sons. We've been raised up. Everything that Jesus inherits, we inherit. Same authority He has, we have. The future He has, we're tied with the future of our Jesus. Amen? Are you with me? Having predestined us as to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He, the Father, has made us accepted. What does that word accepted? In the King James, it says accepted. Look it up in a concordance. It says what? Highly favored. Don't you love that phrase? That your Father calls you highly favored? You need to remind yourself that. Amen. I am the highly favored of the Lord. So we are, as sons, we can come into the presence of God as as sons of God and know that He is disposed to showing us favors. He wants to answer your prayer. He wants His power to work in your situation. He wants to do a miracle in your life. Let that sink in for a little bit. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We serve a God of miracle working power, and there's nothing that He cannot and will not do for you. But you've got to come to the revelation. You know, you can read through Scripture and read through Scripture, and it'll go right over your head. But if you, if you approach the Word with prayer, God, give me understanding of your Word. Ask Him to do it, and He will open your eyes, He'll open your ears, and He'll bring a confidence into your life that, yes, I am the highly favored of the Lord. God can and will work for me in this situation. God can turn the tables around on my behalf. God can perform a breakthrough in my life at the midnight hour. Amen. Amen. Verse 7. Are we okay here? We are doing well? We're only halfway through here. Verse, we're going verse 1 to 14. Verse 7. In Him, we're in Christ. In Christ, we have redemption. What is redemption? That's a big New Testament word. It means salvation. It means God will deliver you from any temporary evil and any future evil. It's the word sozo. And again, it means healing, deliverance, wholeness, deliverance from evil. We have that in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus taught His disciples to pray? Deliver us from evil. We can live a life of peace and safety and security. And when that evil day comes, we have the right to stand against it. Amen? In Him, in Christ, we have redemption, salvation. Through what? His blood. 
The blood that Jesus shed, his life that was given, pays the price so we could have a secure life, a whole life, a a prosperous life. Amen? And not only that, we have the forgiveness of sins. Not just past sins, but your present sin and any sin you would commit in the future. There should be no doubt in your mind that God will not forgive you. The only sin God does not forgive is the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He cannot forgive that. To spurn the gift of salvation and reject everything that God has done, there's nothing else God can can do, so He can't forgive that. We'll be held accountable for that. But we as believers, we are the believing ones. We've accepted Jesus Christ. Amen? Have you accepted Jesus Christ? Amen? So we have forgiveness, past, present, and future. Listen, when that dawns on you, when you realize how loved you are, you won't want to go back to sin. God's love is like that shining bright light, and it causes the desire for the things of the world to just fade away. Why is it fading away? Because you're being drawn into His light. You're being drawn into His love. That's how change happens in our life. Amen? All right. Verse 11. In Him, speaking of Christ, in Christ also we have obtained an inheritance. That's future. You know, when you think of inheritance, do you get excited? Just a few yeses. Where are the rest of you guys today? When you get an inheritance and you get a notification... There's going to be a meeting, an inheritance is going to be read, a will is going to be read. I mean, you get perked up. You think, oh, something good's going to happen. Tell your neighbor something's good going to happen. Some of you just need to put a smile on your face. Something good is going to happen. In Him we have also obtained an inheritance. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. Remember the day you got saved? You first heard the gospel. You trusted Him. You heard the gospel. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed. Everybody say sealed. Sealed Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We were singing about that earlier. When you heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your heart and he placed his seal upon your life. He marks you for eternity. You know, in biblical times, they had important documents that would be sent by a king. It would be sealed on the outside with a, you know, some sort of a wax seal with the king's signet imprinted upon that wax seal. No one could open that seal. It was reserved for only whoever that seal was designed for, right? Well, you and I, we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. God's mark is on your life. You are no longer a property of the devil. You are God's property. Say, I'm God's property. How many like the DIY shows, you know, the home, you know, the, the, this old house and what, what, what's the other ones? HGTV shows, Fixer Upper, what else are there? Property Brothers. Okay, we're all on the same page here. Okay. So you know what those shows are all alike. You see this dump, you see something that's been left to fall apart you know, you look at the property and the property's a mess. Weeds are all over it. There's nothing growing there and the windows are busted and the roof is torn up and you go inside and boy, some of those things that they go into is pretty, pretty, pretty foul with the way people leave things. And so it was under someone's control, right? But when, what are the brothers again? When the property brothers took over, man, they put their hand to it. And when they got finished with it, you knew that place was under new management. Well, the same thing is true with us as believers. We're under new management. When Christ comes into our life, He pulls out the weeds. He puts in a nice, flush new grass. He he takes the boards off the windows. He puts in new windows. He cleans up the inside and the outside. Because we're under new management. We're no longer property of the devil. We're the property of God. We belong to God. He belongs to us. And the devil can't touch with what God has done in our lives. Isn't that right? So think about this. Next verse. Move along. 
We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, verse 13 says. The Holy Spirit, verse 14, He is the guarantee of our inheritance until, now it gets real wordy here, real wordy. It says, until the redemption, it's the resurrection of our bodies, of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. What does all that mean? Well, let's just stop for a moment and recognize what God has done in our life, what God is doing in our life, and what God is going to do in the future. First of all, what has He done? He's made you holy and blameless. You're perfect before Him. Your spirit man and the Holy Spirit are one. They're joined together. So the spirit part of you is perfect. No argument there. You can come into the presence of God at any moment in your life. Amen. That's a settled issue. Would you agree? There's something God is wanting to do. He's wanting to renovate your soul. Because it's in your soul that you've got some plumbing problems and electrical problems and other problems. Man, we got problems, don't we? But I'm not here to preach about problems. I'm here to preach about solutions. And the Bible says, He that is able to receive the engrafted word saves his soul. So the more word you get in you, the more you're going to see a change in attitudes, a change in habits, a change in outlook and expectations in your life because your soul is being renovated by the word of God. That's what's happening in our life presently, or that's what should be happening in our life presently, right? But there's something that God has yet to do in our life, and it has to do with this inheritance, which the Holy Spirit serves you as a guarantee. He testifies and bears witness of what is coming. Now, what is coming? The redemption of the purchased possession. What did God purchase in your life? He purchased your body. Isn't that what the scripture says in in Corinthians? Paul said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body belongs to God. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. Our bodies are meant to express Jesus. Our bodies are temples. Our bodies are a vehicle for prayer. Amen. And so there's something God has yet to do in our life, and it has to do with our physical body. God has an inheritance for us. It's called a new glorified body, just like Jesus. When you think about Jesus after his resurrection, do you remember what he did? He appeared to his disciples. He translated from one place to another. He walked through physical walls. And then yet at the same time, he sat down at the shoreline with his disciples and he had fish and bread to eat. He had a glorified body. His body was just as real as it was before he went to the cross. And we're getting a new body with new leather. Amen. New hard top. Come on, somebody. Something good is coming our way. Everything that annoys you about yourself, maybe it's the crow's feet. Maybe it's the balding patch. Maybe it's the ache in the joint. Whatever the case might be, I'm telling you, you're turning in that vehicle for a brand new vehicle. I don't know about you. That puts, my, that puts hope in my heart, Pastor Earl. Amen? Now think about that. If at the finish line, the greatest experience in God is yet to be experienced, doesn't that put an expectation in your heart? That as you go step by step through every season of life, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better. And you need to tell yourself, it's going to get better for me. It puts a favorable hope in your heart. That no matter what you encounter on your path, whatever season you are walking through, you've got to know that God can make it better. That God can make it brighter. 
Amen. Isn't that rich? All those scriptures, to summarize all that we read to here to this morning, it tells us that our Father has given us unmerited favor, healing and prosperity, promises that empower us to win, access to His divine presence with no guilt or shame, sonship, a path to grow upon and mature and, and to be a joint heir with Jesus in His coming kingdom salvation from every evil, forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future, and a future inheritance. Glory to God with a personal guarantee who lives deep down on the inside of you, the Holy Ghost. Amen? We are rich people. Now, I guarantee you, you can walk out these doors today and forget everything that was said in this message because you have to feed upon it and you have to revisit it. You have to capture it like a photo. You know, uh, we WhatsApp with my daughter, Lauren, in Peru, and, you know, I'm a happy, Cheryl and I are happy grandparents, so we have a 10-month-year-old daughter, and she'll, she'll capture moments of her and her daughter laughing. Now, I remember Lauren growing up when we had family dinner table, we would always make it a point to get Lauren to laugh because she would cross a threshold where she couldn't stop laughing. And it would produce so much joy at the dinner table. Well, now she sends me these clips, these video clips that she captures of her and her little 10-month-old daughter laughing up a storm. And I can't tell you what that does for me as a grandfather. If I'm facing problems, if I'm facing pressure, or I just need to pick me up during the day. Anybody need to pick you, pick you up during the day? And I click on that captured video and I let it play and it ministers to me. That's what the Word does when you capture it, when you write it down, when you bring it up and feed upon it, post it on the mirror or the, the, the refrigerator. You keep revisiting it. You've captured something. And the more you revisit it, it ministers to you, your heart. It picks you up in the middle of the day. It speaks to you when the enemy is surrounding you. Hallelujah. We need to capture it. We need to approach it with prayer. And so after, after uh, the apostle Paul gives this, this rich chunk of revelation, guess what he does for the Ephesian church? He says, I pray for you. I pray that God will give you an understanding of these truths. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. It tells us the prayer that Paul prays. And this is a prayer you can pray over yourself. Personalize it. Pray over yourself. But it's a prayer for our eyes to be open as to how rich we are in God. Paul said here in verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with what? Light. So that you can what? Understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. That's us. The saints, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Do you know there's power available for us who believe in him? This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So Paul is praying for the Ephesian church that he just shared these incredible truths. He prayed, God, open up their eyes that hope might rise up in their hearts. God, open up their eyes that they would begin to experience your power flowing into their situation. And see, that's what happens when we pray and feed on Scripture. That's what happens when we find a time every day, a select time, a private time, a personal space, your place of seating or sitting. It's in that place God is going to cause hope to rise up in your heart so that you can face that adversity with strength in your heart. It's at that point in time that the Holy Spirit will bring His presence and power. You will feel the strength of Christ. You will feel the might of God rise up in your spirit. So it's very, very important that our feeding time is not just on a Sunday morning service, 
but it's every single day because we need Him every single day, especially in days like these. We need to be approaching the Word. Father, thank You for Your Word. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Cause my heart to understand what I am reading in my New Testament Bible. And if you give God, listen, God is a gentleman. You give Him permission, He'll respond to that prayer. Just a simple prayer like that. He will begin to move in your life. And He will deal with your heart in such a way that hope begins to spring forth. You could be at the midnight hour in the darkest of hours. And all of a sudden, there comes a glimpse from the inside. Light begins to come. You begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel. No longer you're down in depths of despair, but you realize, no, wait, I have a Father in heaven. I have a God who loves me. I have a big brother who died on the cross for me. And I have a spirit from God called the Holy Spirit who will come alongside me and walk me through even the darkest times of my life. That's hope springing forth in your heart because you've been in the presence of God. You've been reading scripture. You've been capturing these things for your life. Amen. So pray and feed on the Word of God. Take your position. Take your seat. Amen. You ever try to tell a toddler to take their seat? Hello? But a lot of us are like toddlers. We're just so fidgety and antsy and distracted by everything around us. God wants us to be still and know that He is God. God said, in stillness and quietness, this shall be your strength. God says, I have a place for you. It's a place of rest. It's a seated position. It's a place of prayer and fellowship and spending time with God. Amen? Think about this. What is one of the greatest, most beloved psalms? of all time. What is the greatest and most beloved psalm of all time? Do you know what it is? The 23rd Psalm, because it brings such peace and comfort. That's what a seated position does. We need the peace of God. We need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We need to be reassured and nurtured. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That sounds like a vacation, doesn't it? It does to me. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When we go on vacation, we like to go out to eat. How many like to go out to eat when you're on vacation? I don't see that many hands. Really? I thought we were really... Oh, okay, okay, okay. We were just down at the Cape, Cheryl and I, and we went to the, the Brazilian Grill. Oh, my goodness. And they had a spread laid out. They had two... Uh, uh, what do they call them? What do they call them? But, well, it's a buffet. It's actually a salad bar, but it was kind of a salad cheese bread bar. I mean, they had goat cheese with prosciutto and breaded cheeses. It's like, wow, this is a banquet feast, right? That's what God has done for us. He has given us a banquet feast. His word, I am a son. I am the righteousness of God. God is in me. All these wonderful truths that we can feed upon. Amen. Are you with me? Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, another popular psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress. In God I will trust. That's a position of rest, isn't it? That's a seated position. You're not doing anything but enjoying everything that God has promised you. Amen? Jesus gave these words to us. And I close with these words in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29. He said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened. Is there something that's weighing you down today? Is there a care in your life, a problem in your life? 
Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with a loved one. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your job and you feel like you're stuck in a position where you can't get out. Maybe it's a situation in your physical body. Are you burdened down with something? Listen to what Jesus says. Come to me. That's the invitation. Come to me. All you who labor in our heavenly burden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you, you need some deep-seated rest. You know, they, they tell us, you know, your sleep cycles, you've got to have that REM part of your sleep cycle where you have that deep rest. For some of us, it's, it's early morning. Some of it's later morning. Some, some of us, we're so burdened down, we can't get rest at night because our mind is run, running like crazy. What about this? What about that? We're overwhelmed, panicking with fear. Jesus wants to give you rest. My son gave me this uh, container. It's called Calm. Everybody say Calm. It's a powder that you take with a drink. It's got uh, magnesium in it. It's got melatonin and a couple other things. And it's supposed to make you go, you know, have a really good sleep. So, really? Well, let me try that. Man, that stuff makes you go to sleep. I woke up a little groggy, but I felt refreshed. And for some of us, if we're going to win the battle, we need to have some deep sleep. That means we need to take some extra time here and camp out and let God speak. Soak in this. Let the presence of God take you there. Amen. If you've been laboring under a hard burden for a long time and you've been carrying it upon yourself, you might need several days of rest. Sleep. I'm talking both, you know, Natural sleep and natural sleep will do you good. If you're if you're at the place where you pray and you fall asleep, that's a sign. There's a lot of stress in your life. But that's good that you're praying and you fall asleep when you pray. How many fall asleep? How many would dare to raise their hand and say, When I pray I fall asleep? <laughs> Come on, I've done it. You know, that's therapeutic. Get in a quiet place and pray until you fall asleep. And watch you wake up with a word from heaven. Watch you wake up with a reassurance from your Father that He loves you. Amen. Listen to what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who, are labor, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. Find your rest in God so that you can win in your battles. Again, let's look at that takeaway. The secret to winning battles is what? Learning to rest in God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the rest that remains for the people of God. I pray for everyone here today and those that are watching that they would find their rest that they would find and discover again that still small voice speaking to them. That you would bring them into a place of peace and reassurance, knowing that if God be for us, who can be against us? And for that person that isn't at a deep, dark place of despair, thank you, Lord. Your hand is not short that it cannot save. No matter how far we are from you, Father, you are in the presence of Sheol, and you can touch that place in our life that seems so dark and so far from you. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We look for that place of rest and we thank you for loving on us and helping us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your presence here today. I'm going to extend an invitation to those of you that are here today. Maybe you're new at IFC. Maybe someone invited you here today. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And he's coming back again. And I want to encourage you to accept him into your life. Make him the Lord of your life. He has your best interests at heart. After all, he died on the cross for you so that you could be free. All you have to do is believe and confess. And he will come into your life. I'm looking across the congregation. Every head bowed, eye closed, please.
If you're here today and you're new here at the church and you want to pray that simple prayer to accept Jesus Christ into your life, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer, mean it with all your heart, and he will take that first step into your life and reveal himself to you. He will bring you true rest into your life. If I'm talking to you today and you want to pray that prayer with me, I'm not going to call you forward. This is just between you and God. You're not joining the church. You're accepting Christ into your life. If I'm talking to you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Would you raise your hand nice and high so I can see who you are? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Just raise your hand nice and high. I want to get in on this prayer with you, Pastor Tom. This is just between you and God. You're not joining a church. You're just accepting Christ into your life. When you do that, he's going to take a step towards you. You're going to experience something wonderful. Yes, I see that hand in the back. Thank you. I see that hand in the back. Thank you. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Yes, I see the hand in the back. Thank you. Anybody at all? God's calling on you. He wants to have a relationship with you. This is your moment. You're not here by accident. One more time, I'll just look around. Anybody at all want to get on this prayer? Just raise your hand and say, Pastor Tom, I want to pray this prayer to accept Christ. All right, would everybody please stand? We're going to pray this prayer in a standing position. We're going to receive today. Hallelujah. Close your eyes and repeat this prayer after me. Just mean it with all your heart. We're all going to pray it with you. Everybody nice and loud. God in heaven, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I accept the free gift of pardon. Thank you for forgiving me. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, God, for loving me. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for coming. I hope this blessed you today. Thanks for listening. To stay connected, find out our service times, or how you can get involved, please visit INCLFamilyChurch.com for more information. Our mission at International Family Church is to help you know God for yourself, to find freedom in your life, to discover your God-given purpose, and help you make a difference in the lives of those around you. One of the easiest ways you can do that is simply by sharing this podcast and connecting with us online. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.